I think we are recording. Welcome to Urbane Legends. The podcast about urban legends and how to act in a courteous and refined manner. But much less about that. Here's your hosts, Neil and Chris. Good day and welcome to Urbane Legends, the podcast about urban legends and to a far greater extent, etiquette. I am railway station cobbler, Chris Flynn, and as ever with me is the man known as the Kettering Commandant, Mr. Neil Herbert. I I, I was not aware that that was honorific, but thank you for... uh... Um, yeah, because of, because of all your war crimes in the Midlands. Yeah. <laughs> um, how are you, Neil? I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm enjoying a lovely British summer, a lovely typical British summer. It's, um, it stopped raining for around 10 minutes. So yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying myself. Well, have you been doing drinking lager in a park or something? Yeah. Pop my top off, can of warm <laughs> lager, run around the park looking vaguely aggressive. Um, yeah. Having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have you um have you had any run-ins with the Rosers? <laughs> no, I keep I keep my shenanigans away from police presence. Too, oh. too old, too old for that these days. You know? That's good. That's good. Well, I'm glad because um, you used to have a bit of a bit of reputation for being a bit naughty. Yeah, I was, I was one of Portslade's tastiest. <laughs> that, that is saying something. Yeah. None of this is a lie. Um, so Neil, uh, how do you feel your etiquette training is going so far? I feel like I'm learning a lot. I feel like I'm learning a lot from you, Chris. Yeah. I I just, I just blindly assume that you're a great teacher. (laughs) I certainly am, Neil. Uh, I don't don't know why I've placed that trust. (laughs) It feels ill-advised, but hey, you know, I'm leap of faith. But what people say about me is... He's got wonderful manners, but he's very bland as a human, don't they? That's kind of what people whisper in the corridors of power, I believe. I mean, due, due to the, the etiquette training you've been giving me, I'm not going to repeat what people say about you. It's not <laughs> but we'll not get into it. Yeah, when I try and walk into a building, people put their fingers across the door and go, not today, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, quite quite <laughs> thank you. Uh, but Neil... Something I haven't taught you yet is the right way to squeeze a lemon into your drink. So uh, I'd like you to be all ears uh, because I've seen you do it before. And to be honest, it's it's very ape-like, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, well, you just just get your fingers jammed into that cut and throat and just get it. Crush. <laughs> Full crush. Yeah. So what you should be doing now... Crush and now, prod. <laughs> what, you if you could... A couple of, couple of seeds lent in the drink. So what, throw it against the wall. Uh, so what you should be doing, Neil, is you should use your hand to shield your lemon as you squeeze it into your iced tea so that you don't inadvertently squirt your dining companions in the eye. <laughs> um, which is a constant issue, isn't it? If you're maybe yep. a character in the Beano <laughs> or something like that. Poor somebody who drinks a lot of iced tea. It's very nice iced tea, but a bit too sweet for me, I think. Um, oh, I like iced tea. No, it I do reminds, enjoy it. But... It reminds me of, the, of being hung over in the Mediterranean, drinking Lipton's iced tea to mm. 
um I don't know survive get get the levels back so i can start drinking again mainly <laughs> it's very nice but it just has horrific amounts of sugar in it which always makes me feel slightly guilty well, would you like another etiquette uh today neil well, do you know what why not let's let's do two let's do two um oh sorry no. yes please see did that see? sound sincere yeah it's starting to uh it's starting to seep in isn't it it's um like that moment in uh, my fair lady <laughs> where she manages to pick up an H, whatever, <laughs> and then sings a song. I can't, I can't remember that movie. It was all vaguely patronising. I, I felt I've seen it once, and it felt like I was in a fever dream. It's hor- it's a horrible film. Why well, I could even teach a Cockney flower girl to pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um. So Neil, I know you're someone who very much always dresses smartly because you're urbane and you have a napkin uh a pint your top breast pocket mm-hmm. but do you know some basic napkin etiquette that people miss i don't but i'm willing to be informed when you're eating i want to take a sip dab your mouth with your napkin to avoid staining the rim of the glass especially with the amount of fucking makeup you wear yeah, not, you, if you're going to apply lippy, Chris, get it nice and thick. That's why I said, like an ape. Just clench it in one hand. And then just, yeah, just like a big scroll it on, like one of those big board markers. <laughs> okay, so there we go. That's if you were just here for the etiquettes. Uh, now you can turn off now. Thanks for listening. I mean, um, regardless, you can turn off now after that. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when. Turn off whatever you want, really. Uh, there's no. I get off my nose. Yeah, exactly. I'm not bothered. You know, for your benefit, if you don't want to, if you don't want to take this free entertainment, then you stop know. aggressively trying to drive people away from the rest of the country. Yes, yeah, you're fucking lost. Um, so on to the urban legend. So this week, uh, I believe my uh, colleague Neil is going to tell us about. Uh, the mystery of the man from Towred, which I believe I've heard of before, um, which is why it was suggested. And I think where I saw it was on the History Channel. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot of research coming from the History Channel. I've noticed, Chris. Is a yeah, it's um, it's it's a it's a, a winding well of it's a... <laughs> it's, it, it, it's it's a very um, a very fruitful area to pluck nonsense from. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Aegean stables. Just, there's so much bullshit you never clear it out unless you get Hercules in there, right? <laughs> are you are you comparing yourself to Hercules? Absolutely not. No. The um, Hercules of left field investigation. Well, let's uh, let, let others decide. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna. My, I've, I've not gone for the history channel today, so my source, you've you let me know the man from Tarot. My source is, uh, I've sort of had a look, there's, there's an image here on, I think I've got this from Snopes, where uh, it looks like a Facebook or Instagram post, and, you know, I think that's where a lot of people are getting their news from today, so that, that feels like a uh, a good place to sort of, like, explain this story, you know. And probably my news from um, graffiti and pop toilets. Yeah, it was a good, good place for, for, for good knowledge. Good local the, knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever you're after. Free, free, free from bias. It's like, it's like the, it's like the analog dark web. 
<laughs> so we, we start with an image, and there's a there's an Earth as we would know it, and then sitting right next door to that is a is a purple version of the Earth with oh, a, like nice. a ring around it, like Saturn. What could that mean? Who can say? Title: The Man from Parallel Universe. And I'm, I'm going to, I think... From Parallel from, Universe? Yeah, from Parallel Universe. I, I, you know. Is Parallel Universe like a, a town in Utah or it's something? A, it's a town in Tarid, I would imagine. Yeah, because you think you meant the Parallel Universe, but I shouldn't I shouldn't mark a Facebook post. I'm sure it's all very good. Um, okay, so... Anyway, <laughs> I've, just, I've just seen the copyright of this image, and it's copyright FB slash IG, so for Facebook or Instagram. I assume so, yeah. Colon, and colon then just enthusiastic. enthusiastic. So that's nice. That's a, a nice name there. Well, I'm glad so, they're enthusiastic about this. I wouldn't want someone who was just kind of like, you know, jaded. About oh, God. Yeah. Parallel story. universe. Especially about a man from a parallel universe, you know. Mm. Or from a parallel universe. We haven't sort of figured that one out yet. Well, hopefully, hopefully the story will unfold. Well, you know, there's only two paragraphs, so hopefully we'll get there soon. Um, right, so our story starts in 1954, when a regular businessman arrived at Tokyo Airport with a passport issued by a country named Taurid, I assume that's how you pronouncing that, which simply doesn't exist in our world. He claimed that his country is a thousand years old, and he also had records showing that he had visited Japan multiple times before. However... Police kept him locked up in a high-secure room for further inspection until he got vanished and never found again. Experts said that he came from a parallel universe. That's a great... That's it's a, a good summary, isn't it? That, um... I feel like this person... English isn't this person's first language, so I shouldn't like really... You shouldn't, you shouldn't, shouldn't mock, because if, because if you've got broken English, it means you can speak two languages, which is already more than me. So, exactly. Any any of us trying to do, do this in, in another language would be far, far worse. Why are you trying to do this in Japanese? I mean... I, I literally can't even imagine it. Yeah. Um, what was it? I, we once, when we were working together, you know, the sort of business quotes or inspirational quotes, which have now sort of migrated into people's houses, like, uh, love, life, love, whatever... You know, those kind yeah. of things. But it used to be like business stuff, didn't it? So we well, made... I find that makes for a warm home if you just, you know, have some platitude hanging on the wall. That's uh, <laughs> just incredibly <laughs> inspiring. Um, so I what mean, we... Right snotty pair of arseholes, don't we? <laughs> like sneering at some poor guy's Facebook post and then having a go at interior decor. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, can't... Well, the, the mask has finally slipped. Well... Um, yeah, so th- this reminds me of when we took the sort of mottos of Japanese football teams and changed them into English via Google Translate when it was quite early. So it was like, uh, aim for victory, which is a good one. If you don't start, you can't get started, that kind of yeah. stuff. So it reminds you of that kind of stuff, so maybe... I've forgotten about that, but I think that's something we should we should take on. I think we should learn from our uh, Japanese friends on that basis. I think, can you imagine the sort of um, yeah mottos we'd have in, uh, for goals. in in the EPL? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spend more to win more. Yeah, uh, never listen to the fans. Human rights, good human, uh, human good human rights, rights never depending on performance on the pitch. Human rights <laughs> never equal points. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that, yeah. Um, I'm thinking of doing 
just around my own house because you know how I'm so cool and ironic. I was thinking of writing up some of those Japanese. I mean, one of those things. <laughs> and it might preclude the other, but we won't get into that. Uh, I'm thinking of doing some of those Japanese slogan, football team slogans and putting them around my house, like instead of having the sort of mindful slogans. Will that be before or after you cry yourself to sleep? Um, well, I don't sleep much, as you know, because <laughs> right, yeah. of the crying. Yeah. <laughs> Waking up with that fucking wet pillow. Yeah, well... No, no, I think that's a great idea. I think I would, I would totally recommend that. I think that would be would be uplifting. I think I'll probably sell them or market them as part of uh, a part of our Urban Legends branding exercise. <laughs> It's, it's really confused, this brand. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to look into this. Can you pick just one specific thing? Like, no. No, you can go onto my SoundCloud and it's got loads of music, which is linked to this, but has no relation. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's got, I'm aiming for a very agile company that doesn't do anything particularly well, but just does a lot of stuff badly. It feels like a very modern model, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's let's um, let's unpack this, Chris. Let's unpack this story. Um, yes, go for it. So, fifty-four. So, we're, so we're in the fifties. Yeah. So, the, apparently, it's a regular businessman arrived to Tokyo. I'm gonna just, you know, and again, not not to sneer at this this um presumably wonderful person's Facebook page, but if this is a man from a parallel universe, I'm questioning whether how regular a businessman they are. They've come from a country named Terra. You've kind of, you know, the start of your sentence is disagreeing with the end of your sentence there. To well, no. You've come no. from a country that doesn't exist. Yeah, but if it's a parallel universe, then it could all be the same apart from, like, their, the country in his universe is called Tarad, whereas in this country it's called, in this universe it's called, I don't know, Moldova. It could just be... Do you think regular in all aspects other than coming from a country that's completely different? If it's a parallel universe, and it, and if it is a parallel universe, and that supposes that there are an infinite amount of them, then it could be that. I mean, it doesn't... Just because it's a parallel universe, it doesn't mean that in that universe, ducks had become the dominant species. I wasn't, I wasn't suggesting that, and I get the point that they're yes, trying to make were. here, which is, the, which is that... Um, Your subtext. <laughs> you and yeah. ducks, you're never going to meet one. Death of the author and all that, but you can read into what you want to read to, to it. But um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I call it a regular businessman, given that he's coming from a parallel universe, allegedly. Um, he gave so, the appearance of a regular businessman. Yeah, he was he, a, a regular seeming businessman, should we say? Anyway, I, that's mm. how I'd meet him halfway. But hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being pedantic. Um, so his country being a thousand years old and had record showing he was visited Japan multiple times before. So. Um, now there were there are various versions of this story going around, and one one of the other ones that uh, that, that I've come across. I, I want to know how it. how the age of the country came up. That sort of yeah. diet. Oh, you've never had a tarot. It's a oh, thousand years old, mate. Where have you mate, been? No, you need to get out a little bit more. Yeah, what's going? On? God, you're very insular, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, you 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 work in in immigration. You think you'd know more about the, the countries? Oh, Yeah. It's a thousand okay. years old. A thousand years of proud history. Well, well, so, and I don't think it does have a thousand years of history, proud or not. But um, other version of this tale, they have him. So they, they get out a map, 
So they, they do a bit of investigation. They, they, they can't see where this tower is from. They get out a map, and uh, he then points to Andorra, between sort of uh, oh, a small principality between France Spain and Spain. France, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then he's shocked, because what? This isn't called Andorra in any atlas I've ever seen. It's called Tower Road. Can't believe it. Hmm. Oh, well, that's interesting as well, because I would imagine that because that's in the Pyrenees, isn't it? It's a Pyrenees kingdom. So that's got mountains, and you know what mountains equal? Vortexes. So, yeah, so it could be that there's vortexes there. It's also on the um, the Pyrenees is on the same fault line as the Alps. So, I mean, there's a lot of lot of energy, you know, a lot of strange high-energy stuff going on there, the world's tectonic plates rubbing up against one another. Um, vortexes. There's nothing yeah. vortexes can't do, is there? Because it's like they could they lead to parallel universes as well. Well, they could do. Do you reckon that's what's happening to all the missing planes and/or people and ships that are going into a parallel dimension? Almost certainly. Almost mm-hmm. certainly. <laughs> if you've got a better explanation, please please put one forward. I mean, what I would say in defence of uh, Japanese immigration in 1954. Well, actually, they seem to have caught this but it looks like he's been there a few times before. Um, Japan was fairly isolated before the Second World War. And also there was, because of the shiftings around in Europe after World War One and Two, and because of um, decolonisation or the end of colonial rule well, in a lot think, of the world, there's, there's a lot of countries popping up yeah, they, they, or changing I mean, they... name. I think, is it the Meiji period or Meiji period? I don't know how you pronounce it, but I think um, in the late 19th century, they opened up quite a bit. Because I think, yeah, I think you're right. And sort of early 19th century stuff like that. So they had, I think, trade with Portuguese and British, but you had to sort of like prove that you, you didn't care about them. I mean, there was a whole thing, I think, in Red and Voltaire and stuff with the stamp on the cross um, just to show that they, you know, they weren't Catholics or, or didn't really care about religion um, or, or Western religion, whatever. Um, but I think, you know, they did sort of. Um, at the end of the sort of whole kind of like, you know, with the samurai and stuff like that, I think they'd had a, you know, they, they did start to open up a bit more. I can't remember what that period was. But, but if, you ask, if you ask someone in British immigration in the 50s to point out where Burma was, well, Burma's probably a bad, bad one. I don't know, Burundi, say. Like, Burundi's thousands of years old as a kingdom, but they probably wouldn't have known. And also passports back then were just like a bit of card with a picture in it, weren't they? It wasn't... We'll, wasn't... Come, to, we'll come to the passport in a minute because there's quite an interesting detail about that that I read somewhere. You could pretty much just go, make your own passport and put what you wanted on it and just go where you want in the 50s, didn't you? I mean, there's no... There wasn't really computers and stuff to keep track of people. You certainly, yeah, you certainly wouldn't have had the sort of biometric passports and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> No, <yeah>. really? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know exactly what I mean. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, how easy they were to forge. I mean, who knows? I've not sort of, I've not seen a fifties passport. But uh, well, I mean, yeah. if people could do them in prisoner of war camps with like a bit of potato and stuff, then he was he was a master forger, though, Chris. He's just losing <laughs> his eyesight. Oh look, can you see the pin that I've dropped? Oh no, it's I can't remember. This has been a while since I've seen the Great Escape. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, so he, he looked sort of Andorra. 
And then and there's another part of the story as well that, that, that's on multiple sources where, yeah, he's visited Japan multiple times before. However, police kept him locked up in a high-secure room for further inspection. So supposedly then what happened, and uh, as I say, other sources I've seen, he's, um, they took him to a hotel. Um, there, it, was on, it was on sort of the top floor, so there was no balcony. There was no way to escape. Um, but then the morning after, he vanished. Mm. And, and as we have on the end of our post here, never, never, never seen again. Experts said he came from a parallel universe. I'm, don't, it doesn't explicate who these experts are, but you know, no. but what, what's, what's the alternative theory? So you know, and, and, we'll, and again, we'll come into it in a minute. But um, there is actually evidence that this this person did exist. So we'll, we'll look into it in a second. We've got we've got a, an article from Snopes, um, and the, this this is a. It looks like this is a genuine case. There is a, a the genuinely somebody did turn up in um, in the fifties in Japan. Had travelled around Japan before. Had you know, stamped on their passport to prove it and travelled around the world, um, and was claiming to come from a country tarot. So all of that does look actually. Um, there you know there are official accounts that actually verify all of this stuff. So it's not it's not just. Um, it's not like our black-eyed children or or, or or a pig man from Canuck where we have unverified sources or a friend of a friend. There's some, there's yeah. some third-party verified sources, so that's always good. Um, less sources, actually, about where the experts are that say he came from a parallel universe. Right. But, you know, it, it's it's something that's that's become quite trendy in recent years, hasn't it? Have you ever heard of the Mandela effect, Chris? Yes, I have. Yeah, so these are people who've, who've got a really fixed memory of um, Nelson Mandela having died in prison. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's something yeah. like that. And, you know, one, one, one way of thought is you might think, well, you know, I've just misremembered that clearly because I can see the facts. And uh, he came out of Rikers in sort of the 90s. Or you could go, oh, it must be a parallel universe. Well, there's a lot of, at the moment, it's very kind of trendy in sort of uh, psy- psychiatry and uh, those sciences, there's a lot of stuff about false memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly know that false memories can be true. Uh, I've, I've got memories of stuff that that feel like proper memories, but were clearly a dream that, start, that, that happened when I was a kid. Yeah. Not Not bad stuff, like, you know, kind of trips or something, which I know didn't happen, but I've got really clear memories of it. Because as you get older, those dreams and I guess the actual memories that you have from being a child can, because they become quite, quite weak. I guess they can yeah. get quite, quite um, blurred. Then they can sort of blur together. Well, your memory kind of like takes a fact and actually just exaggerates it. Like I, when I was a child, I had a really clear memory. I'd, I managed to sort of pop two balls from one ball, and in, in my head, in my sort of like six-year-old head, the ball did like a loop to loop twice, and then potted the balls in in almost certain fact what actually happened is i miscued and it just like went to the right and knocked, knocked down these two balls that i wasn't aiming for the same i've got a really clear memory when i was a kid of have you know this ball went around and did something that would have been physically mm. impossible it was just, you know it's just it was just me sort of enjoying a sort of accident when i was a kid and then just i you know just making something up in my head basically yeah that sort of stuff happens i mean yeah so what's this got to do with What's the Mandela effect got to do with this? <laughs> well, no, the, the reason I'm saying is because it all comes down to it's, it's become quite sort of um, people, uh, I think with all the sort of physics around parallel universes and stuff at the moment, it's become quite sort of, uh, what's the word, trendy to sort of like interpret things in, in, the, in a manner of parallel universes. Well, because... it's, been, it's, been prove, well it's been proven that it's very possible with um, 
with astrophysics or whatever, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, the parallel verses can exist and all the rest of it. Um, it's just the fact that you use that um, theory. Well, I don't think there's been any kind of like evidence or suppositions that people can travel between them or have done. No, like electrons probably can. It's like that kind of stuff. Don't know. <laughs> don't know but um, yeah, you know, material going from one to another, I, I'm not, I don't know about that. But anyway, it's the fact that people, you know, take that and sort of, as I say, you start from a logical endpoint and then sort of interpret um interpret something that's possibly a little outlandish but we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute so let, let's um let's look into the, the, the facts of the case as we have them though okay so there was there was a man quote okay. unquote from a parallel university who inexplicably showed up at tokyo airport in 54 bearing a passport from that the, the non-existent country of tarot uh, um oh it's, uh, here's, here's a good one chris so there was a, a real-life incident, but it, this has actually inspired a debate in the British House of Commons. Ooh. There you go. Including mention of a man named John Allen Zegras, who was being prosecuted in Japan for using false passport. Right. My honourable friend may know the case of John Allen Zegras, who is at present being... You know, so I sort of started going into, like, a Member of Parliament voice, then yeah. just didn't commit to a bit at all. No. Try again. Throw yourself into it. I'll just get... My humble friend, man of the case, Donald <laughs> Zegras, was present being prosecuted in Tokyo. In evidence, he describes himself as an intelligence agent for Colonel Massa, a naturalised Ethiopian. This man, according to the evidence, travelled all over the world very impressive looking passport and heat. His written language unknown has remained unidentified, although it has been studied for a long time by theologists. Theologists? I don't. Uh, do you know what? I don't know how to pronounce. I think it's stamp collectors. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Oh, Philologist. There's two. Uh, there's Ella, philologists. Philologists. It's it's not. But thank you for putting that one out. Um, well, just, no, because um, theologists took it into a different realm. It was like, oh, what's that? They thought it was religious. <laughs> philologists. Keep... Yeah. No, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to. Uh, wasn't trying to uh, talk shame you. It was just when you said theologists, I thought. Why were they getting the religious people involved? Who knows? Do they think he was an angel? <laughs> Could it be? Well, I mean, this is an alternative theory. I don't know if you ever watched the uh, the remake of Battlestar Galactica, Chris. <laughs> I, I couldn't get hugely into it. I watched. I got about halfway through the first series. But there, there, there was a there was a, a a lady disappeared at the end. Starbuck. Logic. I know it's actually it's the not the branch of knowledge that deals with the relationships of languages. Right. Which I always thought was more like etymology, but that's the sort of root of words, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, relationships between languages. Oh, well, philology. Phil- philology. It, short- it shorts out the part of my brain that's rarely able to pronounce words. But anyway, let's move <laughs> swiftly on. Right. <laughs> I have to brace myself with this terrible accent as well. Passport is stated to have been issued in Tamaroset, capital of independent sovereign state of Tarad. Neither the country nor language could be identified, although a great deal of time has been spent in the attempt. When the accused was cross-examined, he said it was a state of two million population somewhere south of the Sahara. This man has been round the world on this passport without hindrance. The passport, as far as we know, it is written in the invented language of an invented country. I would stress, therefore, that passports are not very good security checks. I thought this speech was going to be a bit funnier when I started saying it. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, he, he comes into... Um, he's got a point. He's got a point right. here in his speech. Everyone who's running... There's only another half an hour. There's only another half an hour. And we'll get into the, the Hansards um, book in a minute. So is I'll it... explain to you why it's hilarious. Right, yeah, I was going to say, is it one of those hilarious 
quips which they say at the in the chambers where everyone goes ah yeah, you can you can you can you can uh, pretend to um you know be my honorable uh, gentleman he's just like cheering me on at the end everyone has run into official and twist cost and one of the ridiculous questions asked of tourists will have sympathy for a man sonorously named john allen's Charles Zegras. Mr. Zegras wanted to travel around the world to impress officials. He invented a nation, a capital, a people, and a language. All of these he recorded on a passport, which he made himself. Victims of bureaucracy all over the universe were delighted to hear, wonderfully received everywhere. Well, almost everywhere. <clears throat> he claimed to be a naturalized Ethiopian intelligence of Colonel NASA. Passport was stamped as issued to Tamron and set count. We're repeating what we've already said before, yeah. so I'm not quite sure. Um, any place is so romantically named ought to exist, but they don't. John Allen Kuchar Zegras invented them. Armed with this wonderful document, Mr. Zegras travelled royally through the Middle East, accepted the homage as he went, and if there were any doubters, they were invited to read a kind of proclamation beneath the National Tarot stamp. It read, Rik Ubiwa Oktra Nikusi Habesi Tra I don't know, that sounds like something that came out of an Indiana Jones movie. That yeah. was the clincher. It didn't mean anything in any language. The gallant gesture for the individualist, unfortunately, ended up with the Japanese in Tokyo. They began looking up maps. John Allen is in court a martyr to Japanese thoroughness. His action takes precedence, we think, over the American citizen who flew his own plane around the world wearing his own uniform, receiving homage from all and sundry. The more we ponder on Mr. Zegras, the more we wish there really were a capital called Tamareset, the delectable country of Tarad, south of the Sahara, with a language like the one Zegras invented. All its citizens to be blessed with John Allen's sterling attitude towards collectors of useless information. You sounded you sounded really like Boris Johnson there. That's a I good impression. Have, I might have been doing a, a bit of a Boris Channel. That's a, de- that. a decent impression of him. You could um, you could you can maybe make some bucks doing that. I've got yeah Boris Johnson I've... impressions, voiceovers, spitting image, something like something like that, or something good. <laughs> I've not seen that. <laughs> I think we had a brief liaison with Britbox, didn't we? But um, I've not watched any of the new spitting image episodes. I mean, honestly, it started. Bit getting quite terrible in the early nineties, so I can't imagine it's. No, I think things have probably moved on. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? So quite, I've seen some of the puppets; they they look quite good. They were always good. Okay, we'll um we'll ag- we'll, we'll agree, agree to, we'll agree to disagree on that. We'll agree to disagree. Um, so you're slagging so off Madame Tussauds. What is it about you, you and Wax work dummies and or puppets and or mummified corpses? You've got a problem with. I like mummified corpses. That's fine. Yeah, They're a okay. Uh, I don't like waxworks um, because I think it's weird that people would pay an exorbitant amount of money to see a waxwork of someone who's famous. It seems like a really weird, unhealthy celebrity. The closest you're ever going to get to this this amazing person. Yeah, sociopath you that you wouldn't want to hang around with a famous person. I got my picture taken with the waxwork of Cheryl Cole, who had a wig all messed up and sort of coming off because people had been grabbing her. She'd been out for a party night before, clearly. We'll leave it. We won't go into some of the things which she's done previously. You're you're an Uber driver, you know. She's she's whatever the night before. You could, you know. Uh, No, I did. I yeah. I think. I think. Madame Tussauds is stupid, um, and I think it is very expensive, and it feeds in stupidly to our celebrity-obsessed culture. Uh, I don't like the puppets from Spitting Image, not so much because they're puppets, but because the, uh, air quotes, comedy 
writing is weak and I think you know that I don't know it's not satire for me I'd rather watch Rory Bremner if he still existed but um, I believe that he's gone to live on an island somewhere with a collection of tortoises oh good luck to him yeah good luck to him I hope he's enjoying his part the Boris Johnson man was saying that he was saying that he was from sub-Saharan Africa so yeah, so the details are different. Whereas the other guy saying that it was from Andorra. Andorra. Well, we've we've heard numerous places where people that he's pointing on a map to Andorra, but actually he's so the real person seems to. So this John Allen Charles Egras seems to have invented a country um, somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa, yeah. um, which had links to Ethiopia and uh, around the time of because Colonel Nasser. This would have been. I'm not sure if it's pre or post um, the whole. Uh, oh God. Got the word of it now. It's not the Panama Canal. It's the other one. It's the Suez, Suez. Canal crisis. Suez. Yeah. Oh look, the British are going to embarrass themselves again. Um, so that would be that's the Horn of Africa, isn't it? Where that is. Um, it, no, it goes through, doesn't it, to stop you having to go around. Um, Cape yeah, Horn. I wouldn't really call that Sub-Saharan Africa, but there we go. I'm nitpicking, I guess. <laughs> um, well, he had link. He had links to Egypt, so whether or not that was. Um, that's not sub-Saharan. That's North Africa. Yes, Sub-Saharan but he, he, could, you, he could be from a sub-Saharan sub-Saharan country, but have links to Egypt, can they? Yeah. See, this is where it's all confusing because descriptions of uh, that I've seen of him say that he was Caucasian in appearance, but then I guess this is also the time where there was still, or well, just about ending colonization of a lot of Africa by. A small number of white pricks so yeah. you know that's probably probably very believable at the time hello i'm from rhodesia oh, yeah. I'm, I'm to, well it's going to be called rhodesia after me that's what i'm thinking yeah, yeah. what cecil what should we call it rhodesia what, after yourself yeah arrogant <laughs> well what are you gonna do about it yeah, so there was a lot of that kind, um, lot of pricks kicking around in Africa at that point. Um, so I guess yeah, but, from our neck of the woods. Yeah, well, not ours. Wasn't a lot of Irish people doing it. <laughs> um, although you know, who's to say if they had the ability, they wouldn't have. I don't know. Indeed, humans are a crazy breed. Let's move swiftly away from this. Yes, so. I guess that's how he got away with it, that he just made up a country. There was a lot of flux in the geopolitics of the time. So you could get away with that kind of thing, I guess, if it looked official enough. Yeah, and there's, 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 there's an, absolutely, and it's kind of, you know, I guess, you know, documentation and things are probably, I think you're probably just coming to the end of that period of time as well, where, um, you know, gentlemen's word with his bond and all of this sort of nonsense. So if you were dressed sort of like a bit upper class and had confidence, you, you mm. know, you could kind of get through and, you know, you get get through places and would, would you know, people would assume that you had a good on their authority that you were, uh, you were who you It was a were. fuck of a lot easier to be a confidence trickster around that yeah. time. Yeah. Like, um, like the one in 40 Towers who, who tricks up Basil. Oh, yes, the first episode, I think. Oh, I was, I was thinking of that Leonardo DiCaprio film that I've never seen, but I've heard about. Um, there was a chap who famously, he pretended to be a pilot and all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, I've seen that. Catch Me If You Can, I think That's it's called. It, I believe it's, yeah, 
I think it's Tom Hanks in it as well. Tom it? Hanks, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, I imagine it'd be good. It's sort of late period, not quite as his peak. Spielberg, is it? Directing it? But no idea. It's based no. in the six sixties, though. So yeah. So there was that. So yeah, kind of post-war, um, especially especially in sort of um, the rest of the world and stuff. Like we're, a lot of the world still kind of getting up to speed, weren't they? So the passports and stuff were a bit basic. I mean, some of them still are from some countries. They're still pretty basic, the passports. I mean, mean, I've worked in background screening for recruitment companies, one of my amazing jobs. And some passports from some countries are still pretty... You'd think that's pretty forgeable. It's like... it's just a photo, fo- you know, it's a photo kind of with the stuff written in hand and um, just some PVC plastic over it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, because I think, you know, British passports now are quite tough to crack, but it wasn't, it wasn't actually up to quite a recent period. There was, there wasn't there a, a hack that, um, I, don't know, I can't remember the name, it was like Frederick Forsyth or somebody had come up with this and they still hadn't closed it until about 20 years ago, I think. But basically, because in that novel, he has. Uh, he has somebody basically you find a um somebody who died the same year as you more or less like a child because our, our birth marriages and death departments used to work work you know communicate with each yeah. other in this country so you'd find like a, a basically child that was born take the born certificate they didn't realize that they died like a year later and then you could sort of pretend to be you know get the birth certificate and then eventually get yourself a quite hard to um, forge passport like an official passport but yeah. you know, completely fraudulent because you've just got it from someone else's birth certificate. Um, I'll see if I can still yeah. get myself a fake passport. Well, I think I won't do that it? obviously because that would be that would be criminal. So I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, nice one, Neil. Nice one. Covered all your bases. I can't remember. I know that worst fraud stuff. That sounds my really stupid twenty-year-old belief. Well, even I um, I've. I, th- I did for Rico. I'm not sure if I did for you, but I've signed the back of people's passports uh, photos before to confirm who it was because I've been I've done it for you. Working, yeah, worked in public sector, yeah. so likewise. You know, you you confirmed that my name was Xavier Bonito. <laughs> yeah, and this is what happened. And now I've got a Venezuelan passport. So, to be honest, if you want a, if you just want a dodgy passport, just ask Malta. They love it. They hand them out. <laughs> For a couple of grand. Apart from that, I love Malta. It's a great country. I've never been, love... but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, I love Slima. I quite happily live there. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's a few other few other sort of sources as well. Um, it... It's the only theory that so just forged passport or different dimension. Well, this, this seems to, this seems to be what we're sort of narrowing it down to. So yeah. You've uh, some some so what we definitely know is John Allen Zegras seems um seems quite seems quite an easy one, doesn't it? Really, forge passport or different dimensions. Let's not let's not jump to conclusions just yet, Chris. Because okay. um, he's also apparently he's put himself down as a self-styled American who professedly acted for both the FBI and the CIA. Oh, have you ever you ever heard there was a George Clooney movie called? Um, uh, I think it's called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. No, George Clooney directed it, so it's all about. Is this the same George, same George Clooney who and he sells coffee pods these days? Yeah, that one. Who, who put who puts 
cocaine in people's drinks, as you said in a previous episode. <laughs> Allegedly, I might have alleged that for no particularly good reason. And MDMA in their tea. No, I don't know. I think it was you who said that. I think I just I just expressed yeah, that, I he might, that he might have a desire to do so. Because he he's a ledge. He's a legend. <laughs> I think it's the kind of suave prankstery rat pack type thing he, he might, might, might get involved in. You know, it's one of his high highfalutin parties. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll never know, Chris, but, you know, I, this, this is why I imagine. You don't, well, don't say that. You're not too old yet. You might still catch his eye. <laughs> <laughs> Probabilities are close enough to zero to be zero. Um, anyway, let, let's not get into that. Um, so, yeah, he... So He'd be age-appropriate for him. Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, no, what was I talking about? Yeah, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. So there was this chap, he was, again, he was a bit, bit of a fantasist, one would assume. But he wrote, uh, mm. so he, he invented, uh, he did like these, like the cheesy American game shows that sort of actually crossed over here. So one was called, I think, The Gong Show, and then there was one called The Dating Game, which turned into um, Blind Blind Date. Yeah, with Scylla Black. Um, Classic, yeah. So this is a chap who actually invented that format. And, um, yeah, but he wrote an autobiography in, I think it was the 80s, where he basically claimed to be a CIA assassin. So while he was inventing Blind Date and stuff, he was also going over to countries and just killing people. Um, That's a good cover, isn't it? hmm? Got a production meeting. Got to go over to... West Germany, East Germany. Well, I like, I like um, to think that Scylla Black was also a hired assassin. Well, or MI6, presumably. I, 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 think she worked for the, I think she worked for the IRA. Do you reckon? <laughs> I think she'd yeah. been a double agent playing off. Growing up in Liverpool in the 60s. Yeah, it's entirely possible. She was, yeah. She was setting a Lara Laura bombs. Again, all of this allegedly. <laughs> no, I've no, got I've proof. Got which... Which I'm going to slowly leak to the papers. She was hanging around Brighton at that Tory party conference by the ground. Well, there are there are pictures on the internet, Neil, which would make you <laughs> maybe stop you in your tracks. <laughs> uh, may leave that in, may not. <laughs> I don't really want to get the IRA on my back. <laughs> no, I wouldn't really want to mess with them. Let's all learn the lessons yeah. of uh, the Long Good Friday. It's not stuff I'm mm. with. Which I've still not seen, but apparently it's good. One of Bob Hoskins' top performances, and I didn't say that lightly. No. Oh, Mario. <laughs> he was a good Mario. BT adverts. It's not his fault. All right, the BT adverts were shit, I'll give you that. Um, most things I've seen him in, he's been really good, even if the film's crap. I don't know. I can't think of much that he's been in. A lot of, a lot of his films don't seem to get re He tends to be a lot of character actors, but yeah, definitely recommend them on Good Friday. Um, Definitely give mm. that a watch. It's an amazing performance. Helen Mirren's great in it as well. And you've got Charlie yeah. from Casualty, who it turns out can sort of act. Yeah, no, I've um, yeah, I've listened to a review of it recently. Yeah. Um, on Betamax Babylon, and it sounds good. Yeah. Well, it's weird, isn't it? But like, um, because there was sort of that was kind of the the turning point between like old East London and. Sort of yeah, it's literally gentrification. heavily about the Docklands being um, being uh, regenerated, or whatever you want. Because I reckon that the Docklands, a lot of the money that went into that regeneration was actually from criminal endeavours. There was like a big gold heist or something at some point mm. around that time, and that the money from that went into regenerating the Docklands and made a lot of naughty boys very happy. Well, and then some different villains started robbing people afterwards on the same site. Yes, but legally. Yeah. 
That's, that's white collar crime, so it's fine. Um, yeah, no. It's, also, also, it's one of those ones where um, I think I can't remember if it was the first one, but um, you know, George Harrison had a film company for a while. Handmade films, yeah. Or he right. he heavily, you know, he was like the main backer for it. They did um, like the Monty Python films, I think, and um, yeah, Longer okay. Friday. There's a really good um, book that talks about the the history of this. Anyway, sorry, I'm going on about George Harrison's production company. I think this is I think this is our longest <laughs> off paced off paced moment that we've had thus far. I know. I, I wouldn't say that. It's like <laughs> three levels of inception date. Right. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, well, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of... Um, so I'm just going through this Snopes article now, basically, Chris, and there's a whole load of other sort of facts that sort of come out around the time. So I believe he also he'd brought in a Korean wife. He um, he got sentenced to a sort of year in jail and then tried to commit suicide in the court. He, um, he So he... So he didn't disappear magically? Well, yeah, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. He tried to kill himself in the court. He'd, been, he'd not only had the forged passport, he'd also... Um, he had trouble paying for his stay, so he cashed in 200,000 yen worth of counterfeit checks at the same time using the forged passport. <laughs> it's a bit of a lad, this geezer, I tell you what. You know, yeah. I can't oi, help oi. but admire some of his spirit. Um, yeah, and then the name <laughs> of the country that he bought the checks from was completely fictitious um, and was written <laughs> in a made-up language. I've also read something, I can't remember now where I'd seen this, but apparently the passport was the um, was kind of like a 4 size carport. <laughs> I don't know. Like, big, like a big birthday yeah. card. I just love the idea of this guy just with absolute moxie, just with a really appallingly. Um, I don't think I've told this story before on, on, on these podcasts with you, but um, one of my terrible jobs, I worked in a supermarket. I remember us all getting pulled up once where um, there's one chap who'd been sort of like clearly not paying attention. He'd been um, passed a load of uh, uh, forged £20 notes. Okay. And can you imagine what the level of the forgery was, Chris, to, to pass the rigorous inspection of British supermarket? Were they photocopied? They were photocopied and Tel Aviv was felt tip pen on one side. <laughs> <laughs> At least on the uh, wire when they're doing that stuff, they kind of like rubbed <laughs> it into the dirt to give it the texture of old money, you know. It's just, it's yeah, just a bunch of I think it was still warm from the printer as well. <laughs> It's like the ink was still wet. Yeah. There's a job you really do not care about retaining. Why do you haven't said that again? Having done that working on a till for like seven hours, it's the most mind-numbing boredom I've ever experienced yeah. in my life. So, yeah, your brain does just start to melt after about an hour. No, no, no dish to anyone who works who works on a till, or if they enjoy it, enjoy chatting to the customers and all that. But for me, it wasn't yeah. No, you're not. You're not really a chatty boy, are you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, came through. Um, do you think that the person didn't actually realise, or do you think it was one of those where they did realise, but they didn't really like confrontation? Because I can imagine sometimes that's why forged stuff doesn't get through if it's not you that's going to be hitting the pocket. No, I think um, no, because you do you would you get fired pretty quick to be honest with you for that sort of stuff. Like like people liked him enough that he got away with that. But if that had happened twice, he'd be. Um, cause you reckon it was a mate of his who had done it, and then afterwards, then they split the booty. Let's say that there would be easier ways to let that through, if you know what I mean. Um, oh. Have you got some tips on how to... If, yes, you need a man on the inside. Well, obviously, I never did anything wrong, but if you did want to... Um, I had a friend of a friend who um, 
you used to put stuff in. I think there used to be like a bakery code where you could put pretty much anything through. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so you just put it under that. And so technically you had actually sort of scanned the item, but it just sort of like you put it in as 20p or something like that, or just shove a sticker over the top and say that it's been discounted, obviously. A bottle of whiskey has yeah. been <laughs> discounted 20, to 9p. 20p, I think, yeah. Um, Why is that? Ah, it's, it's gone off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expiry date, look. Well, there's a certain amount of wastage, isn't there, um, in oh, any unbelievable, job like that. Unbelievable, horrific wastage. People dropping stuff and that kind of stuff going, like stuff just going off or people... Well, just going out of date. We used to work in the warehouse, which was which I preferred. But um, that, you know, the like just one... I remember one time having to throw away just like loads of food. It's shocking. And to be fair, they do do everything to try and sell it as cheaply as possible to get rid of it before they... But, yeah, the amount that goes into skips and stuff, it's, it's horrendous. You think they could you know, I worked give in, people or something, but... No, they don't do, do they? Which is... I think it's because if they get ill, they'd be well, yeah, culpable no. for being sued and or something. Fair, like, yeah, I can see that those kind of... Arguments. Well, no, but then you just say to them, right, well, just sign this consent form and you can, you know... Fill your books. Well, I see they give it to a charity and then they've got like, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's ways. Of, yeah, anyway. There are ways of doing it. I've, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I worked for, um, I won't name the supermarket, but it was an, uh, an upmarket style supermarket. You've already narrowed it down to about two or three. Yeah, but I've not named it. Yeah. Uh, and I used to work on, this was my first Saturday job, I think. And it was absolutely horrible. I worked doing the fruit and veg. Um, in and you had to have your top collar buttoned all the way up. Well, so there was. Well, look at your uh, apple. Yeah, because <laughs> I've got a really thick neck. Um, <laughs> I mean, like it, it was, uh, it was troublesome the amount of oxygen and blood that I was getting into my head. But so I was having, I was blank. You know, the big. Yeah, I know. I, still, I haven't got it now, have I? Um, but you have to rotate the fruit and veg. Yep. So whenever you bring new stuff out, you have to take everything off and then yep. put everything back on so the older stuff's always at the bottom. So it's quite hard work. But in the sort of warehouse bit, what I always found really disgusting was the amount of maggots that were just kicking about. It was, like, really, really fucking grim. Um, yeah, so just uh, I'm assuming that it's probably not like that now. But, um yeah. For quite an upmarket supermarket, you'd think that'd be less less maggots kicking about, maybe. Don't well, know. You got the working they're still not cleaning up properly. You could take care of that yourselves, didn't you? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know. It's in decades. Funny. I didn't supermarket work. Yeah, this this was when I was fifteen or sixteen, so you know, ten years ago. <laughs> I can't even um, bring myself to mock laugh there, Chris. <laughs> so anyway, um Oh here we go. So this this here was on on, on so moving back on back segueing back smoothly into the subject. This is gonna be another difficult edit. And so I think I think I'd mentioned to you about the um he is cashing in his twenty two hundred thousand yen, excuse me, of counterfeit checks at Tokyo Bank mm-hmm. um when he's in, in court. So some other sort of hey, country. Exactly. So some other facts that came out. He'd um he'd taken a, his uh, Korean wife um along with him mm-hmm. entered into Haneda Airport. Um he was said to be fluent in fourteen languages, whether that was true or not, who knows. Um 
and then and this in the version of the story he told investigators he come from to Japan on order from an Arab related organization working for again for a US intelligence agency. And these are from our verified sources. Um so he's clearly, as I say, a bit of a fantasist like uh, like your man who wrote Oh, unless he was. Who who wrote the uh, the gong show and uh, blind well, unless, he, yeah. unless he was. Unless he was, because the CIA would have had interests in Japan, because it was... I don't know if America was still there rebuilding at that point. You reckon this was like a 50s burn notice, so he just got, um, you know, they just give him the passport. They said, no, 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 this is a, this is a terror passport. It's like, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't feel right. Like, no, 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 honestly, this is all, it's all good. Go to yeah. Japan, it's not, it's, not, it's not a big mission, just go in. Because, yeah, the passport, I think I sort of alluded to this uh, earlier on in the podcast, but... Um, so the source here he used was the size of a weekly magazine and was recognisable at a glance as a fake. But nonetheless, the Japanese embassy in Taipei had issued him a visa on October the 17th last year. And it was the first time the defendant had entered Japan using a passport. So he got in successfully Taipei. before. Um, his, his, right. his wife, 30, from South Korea, was re- repatriated to South Korea on her own passport after that, the whole thing. So the, the additional article suggests he was eventually released on time served and left Japan bound to embark upon a new life in the country. The enigma of who he really was and where he came from were unresolved, and his ultimate fate is unknown. He went back to parallel universe, one assumes. So, yeah, so the official source... What been, happened to him, sorry? He, so, he, so, so additional he article, went to court. So he went, he went tried to court. To, tried, tried to, to, tried to, to kill himself. Yeah, tried to kill himself in the courtroom. So a bit of a, yeah, oh, you're not taking me down, judge or something like that. Um, and then after he, he got released on time served, so it didn't sound like he was a particularly dangerous person, just a real chancer. Um, as he left Japan, he was vowing to em- embark upon a new life in a new country. So obviously, right. they, they didn't care where he was going. They wanted to get rid of him. I mean, presumably, yeah. he was still on his, like, child-sized passport. You know, his wacky fun times. <laughs> you know, his like passport. <laughs> I, do, I don't get where... So even though, yeah, it doesn't track this down, and this is from Snipes, but it doesn't actually tell us, um, it doesn't point out... Did he try and kill himself, does it say? Uh, Apparently he hid some glass in his mouth and then sort of pulled it out, slashed his wrists. Oh. Pretty dramatic. Yeah, it's just cry for help, isn't it? Yeah. But Taipei is the capital capital of Taiwan. Didn't someone get in trouble recently for saying that, I think it was a wrestler... Might have been John Cena, oh, John the Cena, wrestler. I believe it was yeah, it was this for the um, the new uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Taiwan was a country. Yeah, which it is, isn't it? I know China. China, China it. will strongly disagree with you on that front. I mean, yeah, but yeah. Whereas yeah. Taiwan, the country, and the rest yeah. of the world will. Well, well, yeah. So why was he having to apologise? Um, because China, well, because China basically had. If you want to gross a hundred, if you want to gross a billion in in, yeah. in films these days, you're going to need a fair chunk of the Chinese market. Um, right. They're going to they're going to put about a quarter to a third of that total on your worldwide um, performance. Right. So he had to really. You, you, need, so that, you need to get that Chinese approval because you've got to get through the censors as well. So in reality, he hadn't actually done anything wrong, but it was um, uh, bowed out, bowing down to. To the communist the Chinese party, China. Authority, yeah, for, authoritarian because, regime for money. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll tell you what. I'll give Fair you... enough, I would. Like, if, if China said, "Look, we really want to push this <laughs> this podcast because we reckon it's uh, uh, to be it's quite critical of um, Western governments." First of all, so we like that. Um, it's it hasn't said anything against us, and it's quite we whimsical. Just, uh, we just we've just annoyed them immensely, Chris, by what we've said. 
Well, what I would say is um, I believe that Taiwan will is and will always be part of the glory, glorious Chinese Republic. And I would also like to say that the people who live on Taiwan, who tended to be rebels from the Boxer Rebellion, who went and settled there, need to come back and face face the music for the crimes they committed against the glorious leader. You've got a lot of hopes of getting some Chinese investment, haven't you? You started out, you know, you do that. You're going to have to apologise in Mandarin like John Cena, I think, to, for, for your former outrageous statements. Yeah, look, if the general secretary wants to um, give me enough money, I'm sure I could change my opinion on the um, nationhood of Taiwan. Um, but no, I mean, fair enough. Look, the guy's an ex-wrestler, and he actually he was doing a. Um, a, I mean, well, first, as you say, Taiwan is a country. Um, secondly, he was um, he was doing a, an interview in, in in Mandarin. I think that's really impressive. And the fact, yeah, that, I would like to say uh, very quickly, Huawei uh, Taiwan, Gandao, Bakwan. Carry on, Neil. I mean, given <laughs> I'm going to assume that Carry was on. meaningless, given that you've got to do it in the right tones and everything. Um, I did do it in the right times. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. That was sounding quite perfect. flat to me. I didn't. I didn't That's know. just my voice. I'm I'm laconic even in Mandarin. I'm not, I'm not sure it translates then, but anyway, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll gloss over that. Um, well, I had to do it in a way that didn't, you know, didn't appear like I was doing a China, Chinaman impression. Oh, good lord! No, <laughs> let's not do that. Um, yeah, I mean that's pretty much where it's not to do. So, have I? Have you lost your place because of my kowtowing to the honourable Communist Party? Yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of lost all sense of direction now. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, st- it it didn't start well, and then it and then it then it meandered into um, selling myself to, to, um, to Chinese advertisers. PRC. <laughs> Well, you know, they're the great hope. Yeah. Good luck. That's all I'll say. Good luck to them. Good luck to them. Capitalist democracies ain't exactly great, is they? After Reaganomics. So they got rid of him. Yeah, so so they got rid of him. Fucked off. Nothing more is nothing more is said after this point. So I think I think what we're looking at here, and again, it's this is this is one of those stories where it would it would seem. Could he have been a time traveller? Do you think he was like Doctor Who? No. <laughs> less irritating. Yes. Less twee and British. Yeah, less... Uh, I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but good luck to people who are. I've seen some of the some of them, and I, I, I sort of I enjoyed it when I was a kid. Um, and that was... That it was wasn't really on when I was a kid. Years. Yeah, well, there was, a, there was a downtime of about 20 years. I think they tried to yeah, reinvent nice. it, like, in the making... <laughs> That's really, really, really nice few years then. Yeah, you're probably correct. But then, but then once called Britannia burnt, burnt out, then they oh, fought back to it started. Hey, yeah. we're all really cool again. Oh, shit, no, we're not. No, we're not. We never have been. Yeah, everyone, everyone in the world liked Oasis for about 15 minutes. Uh, first of all, I mean, to be um, honest with you, I mean, I, I like Oasis. You were more of a blur man, weren't you? Well, yeah, but 
Uh, well, I never bought into those phony wars, and it's kind of like, but no. No, the, the, it's always the thing that happens. Oasis were absolutely fine. The first album, anyway, was absolutely fine. Um, but it, whenever you hear this, like, oh, the new saviors of rock and roll. I mean, firstly, I think there's plenty of you don't really hear that anymore. That was very because much... nobody cares anymore. It was it was like yeah. you, basically you're just like aging, aging music bollocks. critics who desperately wanted yeah. to still feel relevant. So it's like, oh, who's the new guitar? But this is the other thing: is people were talking about you know the death of guitar music and stuff like that. It's, no, it's it's just to become a niche genre. It's fine. It's not a problem. Yeah. You know, it's like the death of jazz. I mean, jazz has been around, you know, it hasn't been relevant since the 60s, but there's still plenty of good jazz you can listen to, I'm sure. Um, it's just, yeah, know, genre, you know, as has as, as rock music become, you know, hip hop's the, the um, you know, the proper pop music now and all that sort of thing. That's thing, yeah. things evolve and mutate, and that's great. Um, but yeah, it's, I forget what my point was. Oh, yeah, it was just, um, they, they were they were overhyped, I think, for when I was, and, and also and, uh, when you're like 15, 16, you think everything's crap. Well, it felt like it felt like there were, and it might have just been the people that I was sort of hanging around with. Well, some of them, but if, or maybe it was just, but maybe just everyone's like that when they're fourteen or fifteen. But people seem to be a lot more judgmental about music than. Oh no, they definitely were. They, than they do now. No, people I, I seem to that, just be all right with music, think, yeah. whereas people were like, oh yeah. Um, Oh, you like the Manics? Because I quite like the Manic Street Preachers. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, only their first couple of albums were any good. And, like, Design for Life's crap or whatever. I know, and like demos. Yeah. As soon, as soon as Richie jumped off of the bridge, I couldn't stand it anymore. Yeah, no, Manics were good. I mean, yeah, no, I think, um, actually, I think you know, people are much more mature about music these days. They listen to all sorts, which is great. Um, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. In, in, when I was... when I was, yeah. It used to be unbearably wanky. Oh, yeah, no, it was. It was just... It, yeah, everyone was in a sort of tribe, and then it was like... like Some of the stuff in Enemy I found quite funny, but, yeah, it was quite wanky, sort of, especially reading mm. back. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's that whole thing about, you know, in the 90s, is can't even tell if it's still being sarcastic or not, or not anymore. That, that seems well, and there's a whole thing that I've never been a particular fan of, uh, which is people's taste in any art form is their own. And there is no right and wrong answer. Yep. And there was the whole thing that people were saying what you should listen to and shouldn't. It's like, fuck off. Listen to what I want, do you know what I mean? No, no, so exactly, yeah. I think that that's changed. I mean, there's a lot of stuff which which I don't personally like, but I'm not going to massively... I mean, it might inform me as to whether me and someone would get on really, really well, like with certain comedy and that kind of stuff. Um, because it would mean that you've got similar sensibilities. Yeah. But, you know, so someone who just, like, really loved, and I know everyone goes on about it, but someone who really, really loved Mrs. Brown's Boys or something like that, which I don't really like, I wouldn't then think they're an idiot or something. They just find that funny. I don't. But it's on, But we might not necessarily meet on that level of what we find funny then, which is fine. Don't have to. It doesn't mean they're, doesn't mean one's better than the other. I would say that I prefer something more than another, but yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you, more people like. I mean, more people watch Mrs. Brown Boys than ever watch Vic and Bob, is what I'd say. Whereas, you know, I'd Vic and Bob is, you know, obviously I much prefer that. They're like heroes of mine. Uh, they're they're and they're probably more well thought of. But at the end of the day, more people watch Mrs. Brown Boys, don't they? So. Yeah, and good luck. Good luck to. I think people like the whole vibe, don't they? I mean, it, I, I mean, I, I was probably a bit snotty about it. When I was, well, I, I just, I mean, for me, it's not. Just as not, I've grown, as I, I mean, I've never been hugely snotty, but as I've got 
older, then I try to be even less snotty than I was. I would never, um, I would never sort of like say, you know, someone sort of, oh yeah, I love such and such a thing. I'd never be like, oh god, really? Or, I mean, maybe I was a bit like that when I was a teenager, but yeah, certainly not. Twenties, twenties, thirties, forties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think the last time I did that, I was around a friend's house and I was uh, judging their books. A lot, mm. a lot of uh, young adult literature on the shelf. And I literally, as I was going, oh, you've got loads of Harry Potter on here. Isn't that terrible? Oh, I, I know, know who that is. Yeah, of course you do. Um, and, <laughs> and I literally heard the words coming out. It wasn't out that my, long ago then. <laughs> heard, the, heard the words coming out of my mouth and said, oh, that's really, yeah. a really rude thing to say. I do apologise. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if you've ever been judgy about anything I like. No, I don't think you have. No, I generally don't. Yeah, I don't Not too much. I, I, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm much less susceptible to... I don't think my tastes are particularly great either. So it's, it's not, um, yeah. And what does it matter, frankly? You enjoy what you enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think you... I think we've disagreed on stuff, like I thought it's good and you haven't, or vice versa. But I don't think we've ever been judgmental to one another. But then we've both got impeccable taste, so it's... Well, exactly, you know, It's absolutely yeah. fine. <laughs> so, you know... No, no, nothing, I, nothing I like is, is bad, so that's fortunate. <laughs> maybe, maybe I put more effort into that than other people do, you know? But hey, who am, I, who am I to judge? I'm definitely not judging yeah. right now. Um, not today, thank you. <laughs> so, I, I mean, yeah. So, we're, we're, I, I think we're probably probably about ready to to wrap wrap this one up now. To be honest with you, so we've okay. we've gone through a, a number of different resources. I, I mean, just in terms of the um, you know the the sources and the story. Um, I don't. think There's a lot more. The, I can before pick out you, Snopes thing. So I've, I've heard about this one before, and it sounded more mysterious than uh, the now that you've looked into it, it actually is. It doesn't appear all that mysterious at well, all now that we've had a little look. Okay, we were coming into this. So this is this is one of the ones where the folk, the folklore that's come in, and it's an interesting one, is that you actually do have a genuine case with genuine evidence to start off with, but to make it folkloric, what people have done is just added in loads of extraneous detail that isn't actually true. Yeah, I mean, we might look at the Marie Celeste one day. I don't know if you've ever heard the story behind that, Chris. But of course I have. Yep. Yeah, so um, UFOs I mean, took all the sailors. Exactly. No, just how it came to become such a mystery because some of them had really hot cappuccinos left on the table. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, often Conan Doyle wrote a version of it that was largely fictionalised, and everyone just assumed that that was. I think even the name Marie Celeste wasn't the real name of the ship. But anyway, so so the real, you know, it was a real thing. It was mildly mysterious, but actually, he was a spiritualist, wasn't he? He was, he was very gullible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> put it like that. Yeah, oh, they loved a bit of spirituality. Well, that's the thing I always enjoy. They make a great film about Houdini debunking all of this crap because there was a lot of um, the Victorians. They loved a bit of um, spirituality. Um, yeah, spiritual yeah. like seances, etc. Yeah, I mean, there was a, loads of these. I think Ouija boards. Interesting article. The last woman in in Britain to be tried for witchcraft, I think, was as late as the Second World War or something like that. And she was any relation? Yeah, she was my mum. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> she turns turns them all into yeah, cats. Turns them into frogs. Straight <laughs> away, not a problem. Doubling. <laughs> 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 doing any of the sort, and she wouldn't she wouldn't be that with that that old. My my mother was born after the Second World War. Um. Well, your mum's not going to be listening to this. There's absolutely no chance. <laughs> I mean, knowing <laughs> for my mum, I mean, bless her, she's great, but knowing what a podcast is, even, is not going to happen. It's, it's no. fine. But she's, she's probably never even heard any music that you've done. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> <believe you> not. <laughs> Possibly played her a few riffs on a guitar. 
Right. I'd pretend to be interested in that, Neil, but let's be honest, I'm not going to like it. That's fair enough. Well, um, as my mum would put it, she doesn't, she doesn't really listen to me. She just listens to really, if it's on the radio. She's not, she's right. never been one to buy albums and things like that. I think when she was like a teenager, like that, they, they love the Beatles and things, but um, her whole philosophy is if it's on the radio and I like it, I'll turn it up. But um, yeah, it's not, she's never been one to buy it's albums. It's not a big, it's not a big yeah, interest. it's not a huge piece of her life. But I, I think that's true of most people. I think it's, I think, I think it's overplayed that everyone's really into music. I don't think they are. I think a lot of people just are happy with to go with the flow. And I think that's true of most things in life. But because people who are really into stuff, like make a really big song and dance about it, sort of people think that they should have really strong opinions on things, but they mm. really don't care, to be honest. Your opinions don't matter. My opinions don't matter. The opinions that you're listening to this don't actually really matter, by and large. Yeah, yeah the only thing that really matters is your... Is... is I Well... I think that like it's it's nice if you've got if there's something you really like and you can share that with a friend and you both enjoy it. That's nice. Or going to gigs is nice because you all like everyone yeah. there likes the same music. So that's a really nice communal experience. But really, when it comes to, I don't know why I'm going into this, but if when it comes to sort of any kind of art, so whether that be music, comedy, theatre, film, you know, painting, sculpture, whatever it is then really the only relationships between what the what the viewer feels with with the art and that's the only thing that really matters so um i don't yeah that's why i don't really get people who try and say one thing's good and one thing's bad and you should all like what i like (laughs) incredibly incredibly arrogant absolutely agree apart from mine i'm right apart from mine (laughs) apart from yours apart from mine Mime, yeah, right. The thin end of the way. But your, how's your miming going, by the way? Your Sunday league miming. Oh, I forgot. This is again, again. I forgot the continuity <laughs> of the podcast. Apparently, I'm into. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Forget that. What I said two seconds ago. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of mime, and I've been. Yeah, you were just joking, weren't you? I was just having a joke. Because <laughs> you see, I'm not used to talking because I've been getting very intensely into mime. Well, that's I, fucking clear. <laughs> For, for, for days or weeks at a time. You've been speaking fucking Torodian most of this episode. <laughs> right, I'm going to climb uh, into my windproof box. Windproof box? No, I think I'm conflating two different mime things there. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Because you've got two, two things you can do in mime. You can be in a box or you can be in the wind. There's, what about... There's a, there was a guy when I was when I was last in Paris. There was a guy outside yeah. the... Um, what's oh, the, the Capital of Mimes. Pompidou Centre. And he was like, he was, yeah, he was doing, um, his, his umbrella was blowing away from him. That's quite, it's like the living statues, you know, you just feel slightly depressed for these people. I you can also pull a, make a living. You can pull a rope. That's one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Pulling a rope. Or you can have a balloon and keep having to pull it down. That's a good mime. Yeah, uh, obviously I know all of this, Chris, because I'm such a passionate advocate for mime, as was established. Yeah, but a very low level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very passionant about the one in the box. One in the box. Yeah, or wow. the wind one. Yeah, exactly. So, you're, obviously you're just doing, I don't even know how to describe this, but yeah, invisible, I'm in an invisible box. Yeah, it's Everyone like what that means, dancing. Yeah. yeah, I'd hope so. Everyone. Everyone, everyone. everyone is listening <laughs> at this point. Um, so, Neil... Let's go through. So this week, I've managed to get a guest, a top scientist from 
Sheffield Hallam University, who's going to, on a big whiteboard I've got behind me, it's a shame you can't see this, viewers, uh, he's going to um, write down the equations to figure out our overall score from our Urban Legends Matrix. I was just being pedantic there, but I just can see behind you, Chris, and it looks like he's actually writing it on one of those... um glass-based, um, not a whiteboard, but the, the you know, the see-through You're ones right. they have in all of the movies. You're right. Because that's what probably... Yeah, window the, Yeah. He's writing a lot of it equations of onto, an, onto a sort of window, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's so that people kind of walking past can see that he's doing something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's writing it on one of those. He's also, for some reason, wearing a lab coat, though we don't seem to have any dangerous chemicals around, but that's, yeah, fair enough. It's yeah, like... and nothing, on, nothing underneath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that was specifically because we paid him to do that. Ah, exactly. Um, I've got in for the full hour. <laughs> uh, right, so racket these days. Take your money, <laughs> take your funding. Sorry, where you can find it. Uh, so, Neil, uh, first topic: spookiness. Uh, I'll go first, then I guess. Yeah, go, uh, go there's zero spooky about this, even interdimensional. Travel isn't spooky. He's not a ghost or anything or an alien. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to give it... Uh, there's not much I can say. I'm going to give it a spookiness of one, personally. Well, because you, you're point zero there. I don't know if, if we've established we could do this on screen now, but we're going to try anyway. So I'm going to give this a zero because I think you're right. I think there is no... There's nothing spooky to um, to behold here. It's... Well, he's, he, He's uh, scratching his head behind us. He's now got to try and divide by zero. Not my problem. I didn't, you know, figure, yeah, figure it out, old chum. He's having to use a, a different a different key. Um, so, believability, Neil. You can go first on this one. Um, it depends what we're talking about, I suppose. But, yeah, no. So... I mean, I think we've we've clearly clearly shown in the last seven episodes that that you can just make it whatever you want on any of these <laughs> yeah because if we're talking about i mean obviously there's a there's a lot of sustain we'll, we'll go we'll, i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of evolve this one a little bit because is, is it believable that he comes from a parallel universe there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that that's the case other than some sort of slightly is that misspelled facebook posts and is that believable um no not well, there are probably parallel universes they're parallel so universes yeah there's, there's some good evidence there i mean no there's what, what i'm going to say about this one is there's a lot of substantiating evidence to back up the the fact so what's good is it's a, there's a bit of folklore with some with some basis in fact which they've then used the solid foundations to build some bullshit on top so uh, it's going to get an eight from me eight so believability uh i believe this bloke kicked about on a false passport um, I can believe that he got away with it quite a lot because of the times that it was done in. Uh, I don't. I probably don't believe he was from a parallel universe, but I believe they exist. I don't believe he disappeared because there were records of him going to court. <laughs> um, so the believability of him being from a parallel universe is. I'm going to get that. That's like a one. But a solid believability that it exists, that it that this person existed. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Then seven. Uh, so next, Neil. Reach. So this has got quite high reach for me. Still being talked about now. I've uh, seen it on reputable TV channels. There's been books and films about it. 
Yeah, so it's got the longevity because it's the 50s. It's still mm. being talked about now. It's got a high internet presence. It's had books and films. So I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it an 8 for Reach. Neil, I think I'm, have at it. I think I'm going to probably concur with you on that one. So I think, again, good solid foundations. And I think this is the sort of thing you can shove in, as we've seen, you can shove into a sort of Facebook or Instagram post, make it, make it sort of eerie or, or sort of like a bit bit mind-bending of what, what could have mm. happened add a few extra facts on um and it's you know it's it's past the test of posterity so yeah an eight for me got legs for future as well might be the first time we've agreed on anything yeah. i mean not just in the podcast no, no exactly um so narrative slash premise how do you know i'm not from a parallel dimension um <laughs> <laughs> i assume you are Keep popping back and forth. It's like his dark materials. Um, or um, good night, sweetheart. It's all, do, do you know what? There's almost too much. Yo, good, yeah, that's that's a better pull. <laughs> what, what a high concept for a shitty comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Nicholas Lindhurst, of course it's shit. I'm not even a particularly that's huge a... fan of Only Fools and Horses. Early seasons, great. Um, it's okay. Yeah. But even the classics, like the Batman and Robin episode, yeah. No, that was that was the that was one of the old ones. I remember that that sort of being a later one. No, that, that was very late. When, that's it, what when it had gone away and come back no, again. Exactly. About that, that's what I'm saying. Sort of, it just it just went on for a bit too long. Obviously, I should have just let it, it die. Yeah, it went on for too long. Anyway. Um, sorry, I forgot. Oh, no, we've gone past narrative. Oh, we've narrative. Premise. I think this is a really strong premise. I think it's it's having its moment with all the things. It's like I was saying about the Mandela effect. You know, people are sort of like you know, getting really into these theories about parallel universes and thinking that, you know, things might have happened. Um, so I think it plays on kind of like some of the zeitgeist of what people are, are worried about or are thinking about at the moment. I think um, it's almost got too too much stuff going on when you read the actual facts of it, though. So, they've got, yeah, I think I think there's there's the bones through through the real facts for for really interesting narratives here. I think they need to work up the, um, the parallel universe bit a bit, but no, I think it's got a nice strong narrative twist. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a nine. Nine. That's a high, high flute and score. Um, so narrative premise. I like the idea of the 1950s confidence trickster. That's good. I like that. Um, the interdimensional stuff. That's I like that. It's quite un. It's quite unusual for an urban legend for them to go for interdimensional beings rather than you know the, you know your, your standards like he was a ghost pig man or whatever he was, was a pig man vortex we um, completely disproved he wasn't a pig man to be fair i assume they would have mentioned it but apparently well yeah well he was caucasian looking so yeah, yeah. that's that's pig man uh having said that the fact that it doesn't have several lines of inquiry beyond false passport or interdimensional traveller <laughs> um, gives it a slightly lower mark for me. Um, so I'm going to go for a six. And uh, let's have a look. Yeah, he's already done it using his... Uh, swift recovery. Well played. Using his high, high algebra. And so that's been given a 47 urban legend points out of 80. So another quite high one there. Which just shows you that if the incident actually existed, then the score is always going to apparently 
be a bit higher than if it is a pig man. I think it's early days yet. I think it's early days to draw conclusions. I think we're seeing some trends. I think you know we, yeah. we know those far too early. We, though. You know we probably can't probably can't even start making any slight predictions until we're at least three or four hundred episodes in. I'd say absolutely. Then we'll then we'll really crunch <laughs> the data, see what we've done. So, yeah, I might have to write them up a bit better. Um, <laughs> so that'd be fine. That, make that, up again that's it for this. <laughs> that's it for this episode. So we've actually done a proper urban legend again. Uh, and yes, that's episode eight done. So uh, if you are, of course, in Andorra and you get caught in a vortex, which takes you to a parallel universe, don't have nightmares. Absolutely. And then, you know, may, may, maybe try and go somewhere where they're a little less um, finicky about their passports. Yeah, less officious, less red tape. Yeah, just you know, a bit more laid back. Like, you know, like our gentleman on a member of the Houses of Parliament said, you know, good Lord, why can't we just... Yeah, it's only, it's only a weird. You select the information. <laughs> All right, so that is it for this week's Urban Legends.